0: Hello and welcome to Trust Issues, the podcast where we're tracking the first 100 days of Liz Truss's premiership, uh, seeing how she gets on, seeing her successes, her failures, and whether she's able to meet the objectives and the priorities that she set before she took office. Today I'm joined by Ben Blissett, TLDR UK's lead writer. Hello. And later in the show we'll be joined by Zach Michaelis, TLDR's editor-in-chief. Um, as you we probably noticed, we're recording this remotely today. This is actually the second time we've recorded this podcast. We first recorded it last Thursday, but we had technical issues. Um, so I lied on the floor, I screamed, and then we <laughs> gave up. Um, so It's not gone too back. well. Well, now we're doing it remotely, which is maybe worse. But yeah. but there's not much we can do. I continue to be ill. Um, have made worse by the fact I ran the London Marathon yesterday. Which means I also can't walk as well as being ill. And the illness has got worse. So really it's a lose lose. So I can't be in the office today. Is that's what that's what I'm trying to tell you there. That's that's yeah. why we're doing this terrible remote situation.
1: It hopefully will only be a one off, but um, you know. It's better than doing it, nothing. It ought to but be. it's still you know, which is it's what still we had on Thursday when we couldn't record. Yes, this is true. This is true.
0: Okay, so the way we started this last time and the way we probably want to start it again when we're actually re-recording for people to listen um, is running through Liz Truss's promises that she made um, and how well she's managed to um, deliver on those. These are promises which aren't necessarily like set in stone, they're not things that she's written down as like nine core promises, but these are nine things that we pulled from her speeches, from her kind of core pitch for herself during the race for leadership. Um, And these are the things that we're tracking throughout this first 100 days. So if we want to run through these, we're kind of a month in now. We've seen all kinds of things no one would have expected. Let's see how she's doing on these. The first one that's really worth talking about, mainly because it's pretty prescient at the moment, is she promised to cut taxes on day one. How's that one going, Ben?
1: Yeah, so um, I think... So as we're recording this, Liz Truss has actually U turned on one of the biggest tax cuts that she'd promised. Uh when I say biggest I yeah. mean sort of most um most spoken about. So that is the uh she'd she'd planned to scrap the um forty five percent uh tax threshold. Uh she's mm-hmm. not gonna be doing that now. Um, basically because there's been backlash from the Conservative Party. I don't want to talk about this too much now because, as you said earlier, we're getting Zach on, I'm sure we'll um, talk about this later. So I'm just sort of going to put that to one side for now and talk about some of the other uh, tax cuts that she'd done. So obviously, when Boris Johnson was Prime Minister, uh, he'd planned to uh, increase national insurance, which she's cancelled, and uh, she's reduced the um, threshold for uh, income tax, the basic level of income tax from 20% to 19%. Uh, percent, uh, which is still going ahead. So um, she has cut taxes. And, uh, and she corpor- did... corporation tax too. Yes, and corporation tax from, uh, was it 19%, to 25%? It, it, it's not going to go up, so it's going to remain at 19%. Um, yeah, she's scrapping the original increase. Exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, there was a stipulation that this would be done on day one, um, which... Mm. I mean, you know, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt of saying that she probably would have done that on day one had our monarch uh, not died uh, and we Mm. were in a mourning period. So she was constrained by events uh, that meant that she couldn't do uh, tax cuts as quickly as she wanted. But by and large, her commitment to cutting taxes uh, still happened. I would argue that she went further than most people, even her own backers, um, expected Uh, So, you know, the other week we spoke to Kevin Hollingrake, who is a (coughs) Northern um, Conservative MP for Thursk and Moulton. And he said that, you know, he was surprised by how far she went with her tax cuts, uh, which I think is a a fair assessment of some backbench Tory MPs. Uh, So, yeah, she just just, you know, to actually evaluate her on this, I would say she has met that commitment to cut taxes, albeit not on day one, but as soon as she feasibly could, given the death of the Queen.
0: And even though she's rolled it back, as you say, she went further than was expected in the first place. So even though she's rolled back some of that, it's still more than many would have expected. So I think that's a tick there. I think that's a yeah. if, if you support Truss and you want her to do what she said she was going to do, that's a good start. What about energy bills? Uh, Liz Truss promised during the campaign that she would immediately act on energy bills and the kind of cost of living crisis.
1: Has she been able to do that yet? Yes, yeah, she has. Um, even before um, the, the death of the, the, the Queen, she uh, had announced that she'd be limiting the um, she, she'd be she'd be uh, limited the, the sort of the energy price cap, which is uh, was expected to go up to nearly six thousand pounds a year. So she's limiting that at two and a half thousand pounds. Now it is worth pointing out that with the energy price cap, that is actually linked to average usage. So, for an average household using an average amount of electricity and gas, they would expect to pay, now with the new energy price cap of £2,500, they'd expect to pay £2,500. If they were to have a higher yeah. than average usage, they would pay more than £2,500. The cap isn't actually a cap. It's not a maximum amount that you can pay. It's, it's, it's yeah. a maximum amount that energy providers can provide on the amount that you use, so kilowatt hours, etc. Now, there was a bit of... Um, um, confusing uh, communication about this from the prime minister who seemed on some radio interviews last week to indicate that no families won't pay a penny more than you know two and a half thousand pounds which just isn't true and this led to um, um, independent organizations such as full fact to call on the prime minister to actually clarify this position because that that's a really dangerous and misleading thing to tell families who are trying to prepare for winter you know when energy usage does go up Um, And they're trying to figure out household budgets, which are already squeezed by the cost of living crisis, um, to tell them that they won't pay a penny more than £2,500. That might reassure people incorrectly that, okay, well, that's the maximum. It's also worth pointing out that at the beginning of this year, the energy price cap was £1,271, I think. So, you know... significantly significantly less than two and a half thousand pounds that it is now going to be and the other thing worth noting as well is that this isn't going to be funded through a windfall tax as some countries on the continent are doing Um, it's going to be funded by borrowing Um, specifically (coughs) the government has said that they expect uh, the borrowing will be about 60 billion pounds over the next six months Um, just to put that in perspective uh, the nhs test and trace over the pandemic cost about 37 billion pounds and there was huge scandal with that about how that would be paid for and um, obviously a lot mm-hmm. of policies about you know long and Liz Truss's argument on that was that we'd pay that over the longer term because it's a once in a generation event um but obviously an extra 60 billion pounds on top of that is you know it's a lot of borrowing from the uk's perspective um mm-hmm. so yeah this this she has limited Uh, energy bills but that is through a a lot of borrowing which some people will take issue with but on the promise that she would limit energy bills she has done that so if we're evaluating her again uh, you know that is a tick she has limited energy bills
0: yeah not necessarily as much as some people would have wanted not in the ways that some people have wanted but for the specific promise she has acted basically immediately to limit energy bills Um, So yes, another, another tick there. Um, Another promise was to tackle strike, strike action within 30 days. We're at about 30 days now. We have more strikes coming up this Wednesday and Saturday. How would you say that one's going?
1: Well, um, as you said, the strikes are still happening on Wednesday and Saturday. So uh, I think that kind of answers the question for my, you know, I haven't heard any movement on this really. Um, You know, she, she, she seems to be massively focused on this mini budget and obviously it's the conservative party conference at the minute but by and large yeah no movement um i don't think she's done this i don't think she's met this condition she promised this and i don't think she did it
0: okay next one then is resolving northern
1: ireland which sounds like a big challenge how's that one going yeah well um again nothing i've heard nothing on this there's been no bills gone through parliament there's been no big announcements you know I don't think she's done anything with Northern Ireland yet. Um, potentially, this is because uh, it, it's not as much of an issue at the minute. You know, there are often flare-ups flare there with um, some, some, obviously, trade issues and some back and forth yeah. with Europe about how, how the Brexit arrangements are going to work. Um, but there hasn't really been many flare-ups with that yet. So perhaps that's why. But irrespective of why, no, she hasn't She hasn't resolved Northern Ireland, which is a big claim, to be honest. But um, she hasn't really made any yeah. move in that direction oh. yet at all.
0: A fairly nebulous claim, too, resolve Northern Ireland. It's quite hard to clarify. But I mean, as you say, there's the only really notable thing that's even happened was yesterday when Steve Baker apologised for his behaviour towards Ireland during Brexit talks. But that's obviously fairly unrelated from the Trust Administration. But it's an interesting yes. development in the relations between the UK and Ireland, which have been strained lately.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, next promise then was to support ukraine obviously the crisis continues to go on we've got a bunch of videos on EU about it we've been talking about it a lot lately some big developments is any of that anything to do with Truss's commitment to ukraine and the support they're receiving from the uk
1: Yeah, so it's a bit difficult here. Um, Obviously, the Johnson administration had committed a lot of money and, to an extent, Mm -hmm. weapons to Ukraine, which are inevitably still obviously being used there. Um, But in terms of additional support um, given by uh, Trust, there hasn't been any huge support packages. Obviously, we've seen some from the US recently, but there's not Mm -hmm. really been any from the UK. Um, Something that is notable on this is just the fact that... um, Liz just last week after her car crash um, radio interviews uh, that she she did, um, so she did sort of uh, five minute, I think eight, five minute interviews with local radio presenters last week and the the reaction is basically that she was absolutely savaged. We might get on to talk about this a bit more later, but she's absolutely savaged on there. Uh, In response to that, um, she sort of followed the uh, tried and tested uh, Johnsonian doctrine of calling Zelensky, and uh, sort of yeah. ge- uh, reaffirming her support to him and to the people of Ukraine. Um, largely, I think that probably worked more in the favor of Truss as to sort of like a diversionary tactic to try and get people yeah. away from talking um, about her radio interviews. Uh, but basically, she was saying that after the sham referendums uh, held in Ukraine last week by Russia to try and sort of uh, promote the idea that their captured territory in the east and uh, the south. Uh, was now Russian, and that any attacks mm-hmm. would be considered an attack on Russia. She was basically just saying that the UK will not um, uh, see those, uh, perceive those as Russian, uh, which is basically in line with the rest of uh, Europe, the yeah. West, and a lot of just sort of the, the, the world, really. Um, so, yeah, she has sort of reaffirmed her commitment, but in terms of like, you know, there's been no additional support packages, and it's The timing of that call seems very Mm. much uh, for the same reason that Johnson used to call Zelensky uh, at times to try and sort of divert attention. Obviously, I'm not suggesting that Johnson's support for Ukraine wasn't legitimate, but there were certainly times when his calls were cleverly timed whenever there was a scandal. So um, it's interesting that the, the call to Zelensky went out on the same day that she was receiving huge flack from her absolutely, you know, her eight successive car crash interviews um yeah. so aside from that no not a huge amount of movement but there, there was there was some sort of verbal support um, so i suppose you can give her credit for that okay so there's some support for ukraine
0: um and some support for her own her own administration via support for ukraine um mm. next then getting inflation under control this is obviously already an issue over the summer or an issue that we saw on the horizon um is that something that's been tackled at all yet or has no action been taken when it comes to
1: inflation well, action's been taken. So the mini budget, um, obviously, being yep. said action, and there's been a, a number of measures. But um, I haven't seen any uh, updated in, uh, sort of inflation figures, so it's, it's sort of hard to hard to guess. But, um, you know, inflation was still running high. It's, it's one of those ones where it's going to take a little bit of time to actually see how much of an impact her mini budget had. You know, some, some will argue that it's going to make it worse, some will argue that it's going to ease it. You know, it's, it's a bit difficult to tell. But she has taken action. Whether her action helps that is um, sort of yet to be seen. Okay,
0: we'll wait to judge that one then. Um, Ensuring people have better access to doctors. That was one of her core policies when it comes
1: to the NHS. How's that one shaping up? Again, no movement. Um, You know, it's still early days. This podcast is doing her first 100 days. Um, It's still only uh, a few weeks in. Uh, but no i I haven't seen any movement on that she hasn't there there aren't any bills going through the commons yet on that she's not really or at least not in the late stages so it doesn't look like they're going to be in any time soon um she so so uh boris johnson's plan with the increase in national insurance was um to pay for social care to start with and then the nhs and i presume that her um you know the, the spending on, on on the NHS. Some of that would would go towards you know helping people have better access to doctors. Now uh, Liz Truss has revoked the increase in national insurance, but has said that she will commit the same money to be accessible mm-hmm. to social care and then the NHS. So um, you know th- there is an argument to be made that because she's continuing with that, uh, perhaps in the future people will have better access to doctors. Um, but outside of that, um, not a huge amount. And obviously that is going to be you know that's going to be a long-term project so that's not anything that we're going to see anytime soon so um again a bit mixed but i'd say very weakly. she's there's something being done there but it's very small
0: more a continuation of previous action rather than a discrete new policy and even as you say that old policy is still having its funding changed um from the taxes based model to more borrowing which Mm. i'm sure some would take issue with um, penultimate um one here is to unite the Conservative Party. Uh as you might be able to tell from the tone of my
1: voice, I think I already know how this one's going, but is the Conservative Party united, Ben? Um <laughs> yeah, your sarcastic tone there is entirely correct. Uh no. No, she has not united the Conservative Party. As we said on the last podcast and the podcast before that, and I'm sure we'll say on a number of podcasts from here on out. Um, she represents a very ideological right wing of the party um mm-hmm. she represents um e- economically right and socially right as well she's made a statement of intent for the rest of her um premiership in her chancellor's mini budget on friday yeah. and that is that she's going to be a very white, right-wing um prime minister and there were people in the center of the party um uh, that have sort of come out and spoken out against that even you know michael gove recently was one of the mm. chief opponents to this um banker's bonuses uh, cap being lifted So you know you're seeing quite senior um, politicians in the Conservative Party speaking out against Liz Truss, and there were indications that if she'd gone ahead with the 45 pence, uh, 45% uh, uh, tax thing that she wrote back on, which we alluded to at the beginning and may speak about later, uh, that there would have Mm -hmm. been huge rebellions uh, on the the toy back benches. So the 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 fact that it's been pulled should be seen as. Uh, an indication that Liz Truss had sort of lost faith that she'd be able to get that through the Commons, which is remarkable considering the Conservatives' um, majority at the minute. You know, uh, 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 you know, they've got a majority. I think in the fifties, sixties, um, which is which is you know a big majority, um, and the fact that they mm-hmm. feel the need to withdraw economic policy. Um, because they think that they could lose a vote, you know that is very much a signalling that the, the Tory Party is not behind her economically. Yeah. You know, governments don't pull economic legislation, especially those. For, I know that this isn't technically a budget. You know, it's a mini budget, but as you know, as we said last time, it's effectively a budget. For them to pull something mm-hmm. um, that significant indicates that she has lost support on the backbenches. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that is quite serious. So, no, she hasn't united the party. She represents a small right-wing faction of the party and we're already seeing the centre of the party um, take action against that and you know that's best viewed by her u-turn her massive u-turn today
0: yeah i think as we said previously the most success she's had in this is uniting the party against her against her i think there's yeah. all kinds of uh, groupings coming together that might not normally see eye to eye but kind of agreeing that these are not the policies they want to pursue so yeah we'll see what we'll see how successful that ends up being um i mean it might end up being that these these kind of ideologies and these theories end up proving to be successful they've not got off to a great start but certainly her and her gaggle of um, fellow believers um have for a long time believed in this kind of ideology and they'll be hoping that that they can turn this around and convince people
1: is that the official phraseology uh, from TLDR from now on, that Liz just us just are the gaggle of faithful believers? I like um, that, I like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the final
0: one then, um, rather than making the party more united, it's uniting the union. Um, how would you say that one's going?
1: Um, well, not as <coughs> tragically badly as uniting the party. Um, I mean, sure. the United Kingdom is still it's together. To bar. Um, well, yeah. Uh, the only sort of movement I've, I've seen on this was um, some suggestion that Liz Truss and her government made that Nicola Sturgeon, um, the First Minister of Scotland, um, should follow the UK's policy, uh, economic policy from the mini-budget. And uh, Nicola mm-hmm. Sturgeon um, hit back with um, quite a sarcastic comment about the fact that they're not going to be pursuing that. Um, I mean, you wouldn't ever expect, uh, you know, the SNP to get on with the Conservatives. They stand for... No. Uh, I completely, completely opposed things on basically everything, social, economic yeah. and um, policies on the union itself. Um, so they don't get on, but you kind of expect that. You wouldn't expect them to get on. Um, but, you know, outside of that, no, there's been, again, no movement. Um, there's been basically uh, this. The, all of these can sort of be summed up by the fact that Trust seems to be focusing heavily on the economy at the minute and hasn't really focused on anything else. Um, perhaps she will mm-hmm. in the next few weeks. But the fallout from her mini budget has been massive, and she's still dealing with that. And I, I mean, the, the the next sort of statement that they're going to make on this is in November, which is to um, you know try and sort of alleviate some of the concerns from the mini budget. Um, but until then, I would expect this to sort of rattle on, like there's huge huge opposition yeah. to that, which means that the government sort of need to respond to that and needs to try and quell some of the um, some, some of the the opposition to this both from from individuals and from the market itself so they're they're hugely focused on the economy and so this is why we're not seeing too much movement on things like the union on doctors um, you know uh, strike action Um, so I think that they're they're sort of one mind at the minute one focus is cost of living and um, economics so uh, you know no not a huge amount of movement on the union um, as with a lot of other factors at the minute. Okay so generously, we'll call that a mixed
0: bag, I think. It's too soon to tell on a number of them. Um, There's some that are definitely going badly and a couple, at least at the start, that were um, delivering on policies, even if those policies ended up being less successful and less popular than she might be hoping. Um, Either way, though, um, we'll keep an eye on this list as the next kind of 70 days progress as we get closer to Christmas and closer to the 100 day mark. And we'll see how she's doing. But for the moment, it seems like a bit of a mixture. Okay, so now we've talked through the nine core policies and promises that Truss has made. Um, we are joined by Zach Michaelis, TODR's Editor-in-Chief, and the three of us are now going to be talking about recent polling and recent developments, which might change the state of things somewhat. Um, welcome,
2: Zach, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, very good. A little bit ill, so I apologise for- Everyone's seconds. ill. I know, it's that time of year. It's the illest podcast. It's it's
0: superb. Um, this joke is terrible um okay so um as we mentioned at the beginning um the or as we mentioned throughout really as well but there's been some changes when it comes to tax that was one of Truss's core policies and not only has that kind of impacted that one of the nine but it felt like as we were running through it kind of impacted all of the others it's changed the attitude towards her premiership her party her government whatever it's everything has kind of shifted on the back of this mini budget um so I wanted to kind of hear your both of your thoughts on how it's going so far. Obviously we saw the market's immediate reaction last week and we discussed that in videos and in last week's podcast. Um, but also towards the end of the week, we saw some updated polling, which painted a pretty negative picture. So a week and a bit on how do we think it's playing out and what do we think that kind of the more long-term consequences will
1: be of this? Um, okay, yeah, so I think ultimately, I think it it shouldn't be too controversial to say that I don't think it's going particularly well. I think as we sort of discussed earlier, um, she has basically united the Conservative Party basically against her. She represents quite a uh, ideological uh, right wing of the party who she is representing, but she seems to have signalled her intent quite early on that she's going to be a prime minister very much for them and not the wider Conservative Party. She's moved very quickly with um, some some very right-wing um, conservative sort of economic policy. Um, and she did them all very quickly within a matter of days. Um, you know, s- some other prime ministers might have waited a bit longer to do this. Um, and th- the, the backlash to that's been sort of immense um there's been reports of no confidence letters going in um you know there's been reports uh, today that she might have actually lost a vote in the commons uh, had she decided to press ahead with a 45 percent um uh, uh you know reduction in tax or getting rid of the 45 percent um uh, tax threshold um she, there, were, there were reports that she could have lost that in november had she you know when this was expected to go to a vote in the commons you know as we mentioned earlier on, on this very podcast you know, it's. Uh, uh, it's not a good indication that they had to drop economic policy um, this early on and U-turn on it so quickly. I mean, it's a very, very quick, very big, very humiliating um, U-turn. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's not going very well. Um, but then again, we did know quite early on that she would represent the right wing of the Conservative Party. I don't think people are too surprised that she's representing that that faction that she's um, going for the economic policy that she is. I think it's just the scale and the speed at which she's done it has um, taken people, and especially the markets, um, by surprise. Zach, do you
0: agree? What do you make of kind of the reaction and also the U-turn on the
2: 45%? Yeah, obviously, I, I agree with Ben's sort of broad sentiment that things aren't mm-hmm. going for well for her. It's not a hot take. You can't really say things are going well for you when you're 30 points behind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only two, I think, sort of caveats I, I would add, is one, that that coalition that Ben was referring to, the, the fact that her support base is from the right wing of the party. I think that actually, in, in more bad news for trust, that support base is perhaps not as solid as, as she might imagine. I think that while obviously they agree with her sort of right wing economic policies, she's also signaled her intention to do some more sort of controversial supply side reforms, so like loosening immigration law. Uh, is, a, is a big one. I mean, obviously she's U-turned on that 45p tax cut. Um, and I think both of those will probably strain the relations with that right wing of the party. And, and that means that really Trust has no solid base for support in the parliamentary party, which is, which is pretty bad news for her. And I think you see that in just the way that the Conservative MPs have reacted to her recent kerfuffles. You know, the mm. fact that she can't really get anyone out on the media um, to defend her um, and the, the fact that actually there's been so much sort of explicit disdain from other Tory MPs about the way things are going you know the fact that we're hearing about no confidence letters already that sort of thing um yeah. the other thing I would say is that uh I think in Truss's mind in Quarteng's mind the idea was to, to get the unpopular stuff out of the way and then when the election happens in two years time no growth will have been stimulated and they'll be popular again I want to say that I I think in the medium term, at least that looks very unlikely. It actually, I actually think be get even less popular because, well, for for two reasons. First is that um, both trusts and various cabinet members have signaled that their way of quote unquote balancing the books in the near future to placate the markets is going to involve spending cuts. Sort of, I I think the best way of describing them is sort of Osborne style austerity Mm -hmm. 2.0. And that wasn't popular the first time around. (laughs) yeah Uh, it's not gonna be popular this time around um so I think you know that doesn't that doesn't bode well for the medium term uh and looking forwards a little bit I think the the interesting thing about the U-turn on the 45p tax cut is it's gone to show that whatever trust says she's not actually willing to be that unpopular Mm -hmm. and the problem that she has now is that she is uh a politician with unpopular policy positions but not that much political capital so I can't see her getting through you know all the all the things that she wants to do to boost growth all those controversial supply side reforms like immigration reform housing reform tax reform I can't see her getting those through the Commons given that she's shown herself to be sensitive to political pressure which means that what you will likely looking at the next two years is someone just getting all the you know unpopular little bits through and none of the possibly growth stimulating big bits um so
1: I just can't see things going particularly well for her from here on in I think it's also just worth pointing out as well that um, even aside from her policy positions, her communication has just been awful. It's been truly, truly abysmal. Um, her interviews last week, her uh, eight successive five-minute um, interviews on local radio was, was you know resoundingly uh, terrible in terms of her her uh, uh, the way that she presented herself, the fact that she couldn't really offer a defense of her own policies. Um, she Just the decision to even go on there was, was you know, a bit bizarre, to be quite honest. Um, she just hasn't really, you know, the, the policies themselves seem unpopular, but she just hasn't helped herself by not explaining them or explaining the logic behind them um as as zach sort of said there she couldn't really get any ministers out um on the airwaves to defend them um you know it's she almost has, has added insult to injury by choosing bad policies and then not explaining them uh, and then not not defending them or anything like that so it's sort of indicated that it's something that we kind of already knew from the leadership election which is she's not great uh communication strategy or even just sort of like um being an effective communicator in a sort of personally, not just her government, but her, her personally, she's not, she isn't really that good at communicating. So I think that sort of reaffirmed that um, from what we knew from the leadership election. So uh, yeah, she's going to have a difficult couple of years if she is intending to, be, to pursue policies that may be unpopular among the wider public, because that coupled with her not being able to explain them well, um, isn't really a recipe for a particularly good um, conservative showing in the 24 election. So talking about what people think, as I mentioned earlier, we got some polling end
0: of last week uh, that we discussed last time we recorded this and it didn't record. It was fresh news then. Now it's a little bit uh, less exciting. Um, but the news out at the end of last week was that Labour picked up a significant lead over 30 points in some polling, general consensus landing kind of low 20s, um, but um, a significant lead for Labour obviously caveats apply it's one poll or a series of polls set taken at the same time particularly good time for Labour and we're still quite a long way away from uh, from an actual um, election Um, but do you think that polling and that reaction will shape both Tory MP's response to this and also uh, kind of the trust government's response could that polling have anything to do with the kind of U-turns we're seeing and do you expect it to have a bigger impact going forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes. Obviously, I don't think. I think every every MP knows that if if those polls are anywhere close to the truth, and if those results are translated onto a general election, they're all losing their seats. Every Tory MP really is losing a seat there, and they'll be bricking it. I mean, that's the prospect of. Sorry, my cat has just jumped up. Go away. <laughs> um, and uh, the <laughs> they'll be yeah. It's the prospect of losing their jobs that they're not going to be happy about it um if i was trust i would also be more, perhaps even well there's more reason to worry just in the headline figures the, f- the first thing is that um in, in previous polls when labor have demonstrated a steady lead often it's been because 2019 tory voters are saying they don't know if they would vote at a general election it's not that they're yeah. moving to labor it's more just that there's a sort of yeah and a- apathy amongst tory voters the most recent polling does suggest that actually people are actively moving to labor now um 2019 Tory voters included um, and I think you see, I mean, a large part of that is Starmer has definitely grown in confidence and he's found a knack for um, putting out popular policies. So I, I think, again, we talked about this a little bit in that podcast, didn't record. But I think this starts with the windfall tax, which he forced um, Sunak and Johnson to use her on. And you see it more recently with his um, vague energy nationalization plan you know, mm-hmm. to get the great British energy company nationalizing renewables, that sort of thing. Uh, and also uh, the policy announcement made at Labour conference that they were going to nationalize rail, well, which is something that's very, very popular in the wider public. I think it's about 70% support, maybe a bit <clears> higher, <throat> but especially popular in red wall, wall seats. Yeah. Um, so a good strategic move by Labour there. And then the other final thing I'd say on the polling is that, again, obviously very good headline figures for Labour, but on the underlying numbers, um, Labour also doing very, very well. So uh, traditionally, there are two things that are very good predictors of your success in the general election, apart from the headline number. And that is whether or not the public think you're competent with the economy, um, Mm -hmm. and whether or not the public think that you would be the better prime minister. And while the Conservatives were behind when trust first came in, they did still have narrow leads in best PM and competence with the economy. That is no longer true. Uh trust is for obvious reasons considered just wildly incompetent with the economy. I mean, the figures are truly astounding, you know, it's gone from sort of like forty percent of people think that they would be better with the economy to like 10. Yeah. Um, and Truss herself is seen as a terrible prime minister, which, again, I think Ben touched on it earlier, her communication skills are very key to that. That's obviously the way you present to the public. And if you're not communicating, you don't pass that sort of sniff test um, yeah. with the wider general public. So I, I just think that as well as it being bad headline numbers, I mean, truly appalling headline numbers in some cases that you got, Paul, you mentioned the fact that Labour have a 33 point lead there is just astounding. Um, she should also be worried about by, by the underlying trends and Labour's new knack for attracting voters.
1: Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that, really. Um, you know, the the fact that um, Liz, you know, Truss and her government are behind on best prime minister and the economy, and the fact that you've got the YouGov poll uh, are not good signs um, for the Conservatives. It's also worth pointing out that the um, YouGov poll isn't um, just. In isolation, I know that you mentioned some other polls as well, um, but on on the same day that that that, that, um, that was released, we also had a Servation, Delta poll and retfield Wilson poll, all released with um, uh, the 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 um, time the poll was taken basically on the same day, and uh, an average of the four polls was a twenty-two and a half point lead for Labour. So on average, you'd you know you'd sort of expect Labour to be I don't know maybe between five and ten points ahead. Recently, we've seen them maybe twelve points ahead, which is you know which has been seen as quite astoundingly good for Labour. but on average a 22 and a half point need again this is one snapshot you know it's better to look at overall trends and look at polls of polls which we haven't really had yet it's not been enough time so you know all of this should be taken with a pinch of salt because it is such a short time frame that we're looking at But as at least an indication of how she's doing right now, uh, it's really, really not good. I mean, Labour are doing exceptionally um, well at the minute. Um, And as Zach said, the the Tories should be worried about this because it's not necessarily just against the Conservatives this time. It's because voters are starting to identify with uh, policy positions. I know that one of the big sort of criticisms of Keir Starmer over the last year, at least within, you know, sort of Labour circles is that he's quite light on policy uh, that nobody really knows what Starmer stands for you know he was sort of had some difficulty in lockdown because Labour were broadly in support of the lockdown policy but they're now starting to come into their own because you know they've had their confidence they've got policies that they stand by and Starmer's um, you know agreeing to them so uh, this should be worrying to the Conservatives because they're not only behind but Labour do have a policy platform and as Zach said uh, the public are sort of identifying with some of the policies so uh, yeah Starmer's starting to sort of get into the groove of being a uh, uh you know a leader uh i know that we're two years out from the election but yeah uh things really aren't looking good for the conservatives so uh yeah liz Truss really needs to uh you know she, she needs to change up what she's doing at the minute if she wants a chance uh of being prime minister past 2024
0: and obviously some of that uh boost for starmer and part of his increased credibility and his kind of like ability to lead policies has been led out of labor party conference last week um We are now in the midst of Conservative Party conference. Do you think we're going to see any change there? Or do you think Truss has less of a chance to change the narrative, just given the fact that she's kind of set such a precedent going in?
1: Well, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance she could, um, you know maybe focus attention on some other policies if if key policies are announced but ultimately it's just a lot that she has to change it seems almost insurmountable from one conference to be able to really change the, the sort of narrative building about trust that she's not to be trusted with the economy that she's not a particularly good prime minister that she's a bad communicator there'd have to be something truly monumental to sort of change the um, media's perception within sort of one conference uh, so it might be like the start she might be able to sort of start that ball rolling on increasing conservative polling but yeah it, it would be a start at best um, and given that it's only been a few days I've I, yeah I, I doubt it and, Zach, on that, obviously reflecting on
0: both her odds at conference and going forward, are there any things you would give as advice to trust if you were in the position? Are there any things that she's obviously messing up that you think could be easily fixed to help swing the polls? Or is it not as clear cut as that, do you think?
2: Yeah, this is when I disclosed my second job as Liz Truss' PR <laughs> guru. Um, uh, you shouldn't have missed that to- to- if it were true yeah no that is definitely a joke um on the um <laughs> on on the conference stuff I can't really see conference going well for I think for two reasons first if she does make any policy changes it's almost definitely going to be a downstream consequence from pressure from LMPs at, com- at, at conference so mm-hmm. you know this is what happened with the 45p tax cut U-turn it was because Michael Gove went to an event and started saying you know we can't support this tax cut and then a load of MPs piggybacked on that. And, you know, yeah. it just looked weak from trust position. So if she does return <coughs> on any of her currently unpopular policies, it, it will look weak because it will be as yeah. a response to pressure from other Conservative MPs. And I think the other reason it's just going to go badly is at these sort of Tory conferences that there are a whole load of events that are run by those like right wing think tanks, you mm-hmm. know, sort of IEA, that sort of bunch. And and you're just going to get clips. I can see it coming of, of various government ministers sitting in those think tanks, you know, saying sort of disagreeable right-wing stuff about how much they love the new low tax agenda and how much they hate regulation and all those sort of things that play well with certain bits of the Tory base and certain factions within trusted government but just don't play well with the wide public. I don't know if you saw that but there was a good example of this quite recently which I think Chris Phillips I think that's what his name is. Uh, he, he's one of the treasury guys at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at a fringe event I think again run by a right-wing think tank and he suggested as a policy that every, any business under 500 people shouldn't be subject to business regulations, which is just wow. like, just, yeah, it's a crazy idea. I can't wait to run my 499 child tin mine in Leicestershire <laughs> Show or wherever it is. But it's it's like, it's just a, it's a clearly a nuts policy. And it's the sort of thing yeah. that only gets applause at lunatic white wing fringe events. And you can see how more of that, more of that sort of stuff shared on Twitter is just going to go down very badly for us. I, I think in the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, in the medium term, I, I can't really see much hope for Truss. Um, I think I do think her best bet actually is, is to follow through with her current plan of, of going for those controversial but potentially growth-stimulating supply-side policies, which mm-hmm. she's supposed to announce in November, but I think she have to announce them earlier to sort of ease some of the political pressure. Um, and because I, I just think at the moment that she doesn't have the political space to do a whole new project. Um, and her current project, if she only goes half-heartedly with it and doesn't end up with the high growth rates, it's just going to be deeply, deeply unpopular. So I think she'll have to try Mm. and push through some of those controversial things like housing reform, immigration reform are two very good examples. Housing reform is hated by southern Tories because those of them in leafy green shires, their constituents get very worried about the idea of the green belt being trampled upon and big Mm -hmm. developments near their little villages. Um, But And and Boris Johnson wanted to reform that as well, but he, he couldn't get it through in the end. Um, and it's a similar thing with immigration reform. Obviously not very popular actually with the Tory base. They don't like high immigration, um, mm-hmm. but it is growth stimulating. The simple reason that more people usually means more growth, more economic activity. Um, so I think her best bet actually is to try and go through with some of those. And then hopefully in two years time, she can go, look, we have sorted some stuff out. I know you didn't like it at the time, but all of a sudden we have a growth rate, you know, a trend growth rate of 2.5%, which is a stated target um and uh you know we're maybe the second third fastest growing economy in the g7 i think it's very very unlikely i think it's both it's both particularly difficult because you know politically stronger figures like boris johnson have tried this before and they failed so i can't really see liz trust getting it through especially given she has no mandate whatsoever um but it's also logistically difficult i mean I, you're, i'm talking in broad strokes here about housing reform and immigration reform but obviously these are complicated policy areas and sorting out something like housing, which has sort of it's essentially sort of like a massive policy backlog of, it, of its own. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a really complicated policy area and there's been so many fuck ups over so many governments. Sorting that out is not an easy task and, and it requires a very competent government and maybe more time than trust has. It's a similar thing with immigration. So I, I think it's a real uphill battle from here for her. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's the main takeaway. It doesn't look good for her. I can't really see I, I can't really see a way a way out per se. I just think charge head first, hope for the best and see what happens.
0: Finally then, um we asked our audience last week how much longer they thought Truss had, how much faith they had in her continued um tenure in number ten. Um, We asked them how long they expected Liz Truss to remain Prime Minister for and we gave them the options of less than 100 days, less than a year, until the next election or beyond the next election. Uh, At this point, 67,000 people have voted. Those are obviously 67,000 people audience members for TLDR, so not necessarily the most representative sample size, be significantly younger than the average voter. Um, but regardless, um, the results are as follows. 45% of people think that you'll last less than 100 days. 25% of people think you'll last less than a year. 28% think you'll last up until the next election, but would be kicked out at that stage. And 2% think you'll last beyond the next election. Um, ben, which of those groups do you side with? Which of those categories seems the most likely to you? And bear in
1: mind, we will be clipping this and using this against you in the future. Um, well, I'm, I think I'm with the 28% there that says that they reckon she'll last until the next election, but no longer than that. Um, I think that the Conservative Party know that sort of getting rid of her at this point doesn't look particularly good on them. I know that she's quite behind in in, in polling, but the Conservatives are generally... Uh, you know normal times seen as the more safe and stable pair of hands and she's undermining that slightly but if they keep changing their leaders every few months Um, it it makes the situation even worse and you know it's not ideal Uh, I think there's also she's probably also going to be secure from a vote of no confidence for about a year anyway uh, which should give her some time to at least uh, uh, get rid of the you know to to move away from the complete chaos that we're in at the minute um, and hopefully just just sort of like uh, reaffirm herself as Prime Minister I don't think she's going to be particularly popular but I, I think by then Uh, you know, talk about no confidence and things like that may have subsided. So I think it's likely that she'll last until the next election, but I don't think she's going to improve the polling too much. And I think they're going to be pretty wiped out in 24. Um, And if they are, I think they're going to uh, choose a new leader then. Zach,
0: Zach, do you agree agree? she's going to make
1: it the next election, do you
2: think? Yeah, really, really boringly, I think I probably do agree with Ben. I think I probably uh, placed, um, I think it's more likely than Ben thinks it is that she'll be gone very soon um i know ben mentioned that in normal times the Tories have a reputation for being the sort of the more stable of the two parties um and for not doing silly things like kicking out leaders after a month but i think with the sort of constant churn of Tory mps you know they've kicked a lot out of a lot of mps and Mm -hmm. then a whole lot new lot come in the Tory mps have sort of lost that institutional memory uh for stability um and at least in recent history, it does look like Tory MPs are very reactive when it comes to stuff like bad polling. I mean, you see that sort of like flow every time Johnson got a single bad poll, you get a couple more letters going in and a bit more chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I, I can at least imagine a situation where you get a couple more weeks of some 30 plus Labour leads and that's just enough for a whole load of sort of like 2017, 2019 Tory MPs who haven't been in the job very long and they're pretty worried about losing their seats. Um so I, I think there's a I think I do still agree with Ben though I think the most likely thing is that she stumbles her way through to 2024 and they get hammered. Um, but I, I think the Tory party have proven themselves more fickle than they used to be, and uh, I could see them getting rid of getting rid of trust soon. I,
0: I agree with both of you. I think I think I do see where that's coming from though. I think especially because they could relatively easily, I suppose, swap in for someone like Richie Sunak, who has a fairly plausible line of saying well, I never really liked this. I said it would be a disaster. Here's me during the campaign saying it. And sure, it would look bad on the party, but from the leadership perspective and from the who's the better prime minister perspective, he at least has a record economically and is able to say, hey, I I never supported this. It's a fresh start yet again. And I don't think there's enough time to reset fully from that. I think it would still lead to a loss for them and whether they want to let another um, potential leader lose or whether they'd rather save him for post-24, I don't know. But you can see why they might think, well, this isn't gonna work, so let's throw something new at it. But I do I do I agree. That's that's not likely. I just can see why they might be tempted to in that circumstance.
1: I think Zach is right in characterising my views as sort of like um thinking that they're they're not going that the Toy Party is, is sort of more stable than probably Zach thinks it is. But I still do think that they took a long time to to get rid of Johnson and, and he won the no confidence vote. It took them months and months of party gate scandals and sex scandals and God knows what else, uh, before they even uh, triggered enough uh, 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 votes, uh, letters of no confidence to have the vote of no confidence, which mm. he did subsequently win. It was only because of a flurry of resignations following the Chris Pincher scandal that we finally um, broke down. I do agree, though, that I do think that they're probably more fickle now and they probably are more uh, happy to get rid of a, a leader. But I, I just, I, yeah, I think Zach is right that we just disagree on uh, the relative likelihood of that happening. And I, I think it's probably lower than Zach um, probably thinks it is. Okay, we will see
0: who's right. Um, We will have the result at some point in the future. She will eventually leave office. Who knows, it might be after multiple consecutive successful election wins. Um, I feel like that's unlikely, but 2% of people think she's going to win in 24, so who knows. Um, But we'll have the result at some point. We'll circle back to this and we will use our answers against us. But we all agreed, so it's not going to be the most interesting gotcha moment. Um, But we'll see. Um, Either way, clearly a difficult a couple of weeks for Truss I mean it's been a difficult first month all in all some successes against her kind of nine original promises um but all in all some pretty major distractions from her core agenda and some uh pretty big disasters so we'll see if the next 70 or so days uh, is any more successful um but for the moment um I think we're right naming the the podcast what we did because Truss certainly has some issues yes. at the yes. end Yes. (laughs)